human, don't you know, just like you. Welcome to season two of We're Human, and this may be the difficult second book, or possibly the triumphant sequel. Um, in this coming episodes, we're talking leadership and all its complicated glory. Um, so leadership and dot, dot, dot room for a variety of topics, perspectives, things to consider for your own experience and perhaps your ambition. In this episode, we're discussing ethics. Pretty straightforward, right? Or are they? Joining me for this exploration into the moral forest is Kirsty Waite. Kirsty was brought up in a family business, so understanding how businesses work is in her DNA. Followed by nearly two decades of experience leading and coaching teams within global organizations, she trains the next generation of coaches through her work as a senior tutor delivering ILM coaching and mentoring qualifications. She is also the founder of the Ethical Coaching Company and truly believes in the power of coaching, knowing firsthand the difference it can make to the success of a business so welcome Kirsty. <laughs> thank Hi. you so much for having me really happy to be here it's my absolute pleasure and I know we've had a bit of a chat ahead of this around and I think we probably ran a bit over time didn't we so let's watch the timing on this recording I think um now I've got to admit I was a little bit triggered by um not triggered in a bad way but just something that popped in my head like oh um it's the mention of ethics and family businesses in the same breath now it's probably a bias I have which isn't a good bias based on some um fairly dodgy behavior I've witnessed that's been related to organizations either being completely manned by family members um with a few others kind of outsiders if you like coming in or organizations that have employed family members in kind of hierarchical positions to each other um, and and the, the, the fallouts. I think as, a, as an HR professional, former HR professional, dealing with that fallout has been quite um, interesting. But I have to ask myself the question because obviously this has been triggered in me. Am I being extremely unfair to family businesses? <laughs> <laughs> really great question. And I, and I get it from a, when you look at it from a HR perspective of your background, it's messy, isn't it? I think mm. when you think, think about any family business it is messy and I think it depends from from my from my point of view I think it depends on what that structure's come from because the, the normally with a family business it has been started around the kitchen table with the people in the family and it's kind of grown from there and then it's either stayed at that level or it's grown and scaled but you are very much the biases within that business, the way that it operates, the morals, you're likely to have a very similar approach. Coming in from an external perspective and independent to that, you might get, you might see an experience, I imagine, some, but I don't want to say unethical, but just questionable, potentially <laughs> ways. Because I just yeah. feel like you kind of get stuck in your own groove, don't you? Um, but the wider question, I think, is, and this is what the whole, the interesting thing about having conversations around ethics in business for me is what does ethical really mean, right? Because you rely on, on different people's perspective and ethical levels. And I think when you think about it from a family business perspective, you've got no one else's perspective other than that that's in that space, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And you think about it when that link to values, isn't it? It's such an intrinsic yeah. Um, sense of identity almost that that kind of really kind of heartfelt link to the values which you know can can be quite tricky actually family values are very you know heartfelt aren't they they're, yeah. they're held 
sacrosanct in some ways it's like you know family yeah. first and, and that's lovely I think you're, you're right and I've got to say I have seen some family businesses where there was such a lovely warm you know inviting mm. atmosphere and things were done in a very very nice friendly way and actually they yeah. had some checks and balances there as well so that to make sure that you know things like salary reviews were fair and mm. and you know it's, it's just is, is, is that I think it brings us back to leadership doesn't it that's the thing it's like what is the role of the person at the or the people at the head of that those that are looked to for guidance um and I, and I don't want to bash family businesses but when you think oh, in my head I'm going back to I don't know the Sopranos or something it was kind of patriarchy or matriarchy <laughs> very much around okay <laughs> but actually it does come you know actually that leadership accountability and responsibility, isn't it, to almost set those expectations. Mm -hmm. And um, I think when you, and, yeah. and I can see your trigger if you're thinking of the Sopranos and ethics. <laughs> <laughs> I can see where the challenges come in here. <laughs> but in all, in all due respect, I think you, I think it, you're right. And I think going, what the difficulty is, right? I think I, I, I imagine in my head, like my dad's family business back in the day, which real like an engineering workshop with a small team and they were just proper old school engineers kind of thing and I think probably back in those days the leadership element didn't you know it wasn't like we think of leadership now I don't think do you know what I mean and I think as well when you think of family businesses it depends I feel like on the size the impact they want to create the purpose of them but definitely when they're starting to bring people in and they're starting to grow um I'm working with a business at the minute that is started as a family business and it's grew incredibly quick and we working together to help put structure processes values missions like all this in place to help put some framework in for the employees because when it does grow that quick and it's come from a family business you've just you just adapt don't you you get all hands on deck you do what you need to do to get stuff done but when you start to bring external people in that's when the leadership from my perspective it'll either go on to thrive when if the leader steps up and goes we need to do something here or if they just keep muddling on by, that's going to hit a ceiling of what they're going to be able to do with their people. Yeah, I, th I think you're right, isn't it? It's like I say, you're bringing others into that mix, aren't you? That blend. So it's less about everyone rolling their sleeves up and mucking in. There will be some more mm. defined roles and responsibilities. Yeah. And also, you know, I, I don't want to go too much into policies, but actually just tacit agreements mm -hmm. of acceptable behaviour, acceptable um, processes, yeah. a little bit of um, segregation of duties and yeah. Um, kind of the hierarchical uh, reporting lines making sure there is that mm -hmm. that fairness starts to come in because there's nothing more demotivating to somebody coming in from the external world into a new mm -hmm. business family or otherwise to find that there's a, a definite culture of us and anyone new coming in being them um and I think yeah. that's where where I've seen it in in, in that sense all the things I've experienced and had to mop up um weren't actually family businesses they were businesses that had managed to employ family members mm. and handled it very badly in terms of how they role modeled how they structured the organization so you had I think um this doesn't give away anything I'm not not you know divulging any secrets here a commercial director managing his wife who was a sales director or a lead sales manager who then had employed her mother as a salesperson. Like Those dynamics can be complicated, right? 
if you want to write the biggest <laughs> challenge and dynamic in a business, you've just nailed it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Husband, wife, mother-in-law, mother. I mean, Excellent. yeah, it, it was it was extremely messy and very damaging in trust with the organization from other people within a the sales yeah. focus as you know sales um, structure as you can imagine but also any of those that that interlinked with that sadly because mother wasn't performing and, and yeah. that was because it wasn't tackled it wasn't addressed it wasn't mm-hmm. how do you manage your own mum yeah I would I, mean, I love my mum but I would I wouldn't work with my mum I love her dearly but no I mean I know a, she's yeah. in a completely different you know, she was always in a completely different industry to mine it was never a risk but I yeah. couldn't pull her up on something that would just be you know I yeah I'd have to I'd have to outsource that <laughs> and have hence, segregation of duty right you put somebody yeah. else in yeah. that as a buffer in that space I just I yeah you can imagine how messy that could get <laughs> but from it from a like my background is in you know audit risk management corporate governance kind of background mm. and straight away when I hear that my <laughs> rightly or wrongly my mind goes straight back to what could be going through that going through that line without anyone ever really noticing? Yeah. You know, like what yeah. controls have we got in place? What, you know, what interventions have we got in that process of approval and authority? You know, like all that stuff. And I think the really challenging conversations to have with family members, because I think one, it's it's hard for people to have with other family members, but it's hard from for a business to have with a family group if that makes sense because what you're kind of initiating is I don't trust you potentially but that's not what we're saying it's it's to cover them as well as yourself from my perspective of like everyone needs protection and we need some structure to help protect everybody from that and need difficult conversations exactly and they are they are obviously very difficult conversations and like you say it's 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 not saying you don't trust it's saying Mm. actually there are risks here there are yeah. risks there that need to be mitigated and actually to be mitigated, not just for the people involved, but also for the perception and perspective of the mm-hmm. external world looking in. Yeah, absolutely. That's probably not the healthiest setup to have in your organization yeah. when you could probably make some adjustments to, to mitigate that. Now, mm. brings me on to the, you know, what is the role of a leader in that? Ultimately, what is the role of the board to look at that structure and go, that's not acceptable? ethically here we go back to what our ethics mm. that level of risk that level of potential for, for mistrust the level of potential for you know it, it you know if one gets kind of pulled up on something is that then going to bring in that kind of family value of well you do that mm. to one you do that to all of us kind of attitudes yeah. you suddenly open up this cloud of stuff and it's it's all potential it's all not necessarily happened yeah. and this obviously my example it absolutely did but it doesn't have to have happened. And yet the risk and the perception and the perspectives of others are still need to be taken into account at that point. So what is, how would you actually describe the role of, um, say, a leader in that space? So the, I mean, the commercial director, the husband in that scenario, the board that he would sit on as part of that, that organisation, what is their role to mm-hmm. um, set those standards? That is a really interesting part of that dynamic right because for me that role of that board is to make sure that that organization is behaving ethically and that they're protecting the welfare of the stakeholders and shareholders of that organization right and I think it's making sure that there are controls there is processes and we're setting out expectations and I think that even having a discussion around the table to say 
is this ethically the right way we want to run our business? And going back to the point I made earlier, what's ethical is different to different people. So I'm sure yeah. if you ask the husband who wants his mom and wife to work for them, he's totally fine with that, completely ethical. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not unethical. Different people have different views. From, but from that board, the independent, right, they have the independent perspective. Their best interest is the is the organization and the business, not necessarily that dynamic of mm. employee and family members. And I always say, you can't manage expectations if you don't set them. So how are we setting expectations and how are the board setting their level of expectations to know what's going on? But I think it's the communication between the the business and the board that's really important because they only know and exposed to what they exposed to, right? They're not in the day-to-day. So I think it is the... I think the role is to is to protect the business and to define what's ethical, what's you know accepted, and what that expectation is. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I, I, I couldn't I, I couldn't agree with that more. And what was really interesting in this particular example is there was no HR representation at board level. Mm. Obviously, I've done a whole series on leadership. Sorry, we're human HR stuff, effectively. Um, and it's really interesting to see the organisations that don't have that HR voice yeah. at board level, which would maybe have picked up on some of this stuff and said, that's a risk. And uh, also the diversity of the board. I think yeah. even if you don't have a HR-specific representative, what diversity have you got? Like, if you've got the same person basically replicated around the table, oh, do you know? Yeah. You're never yeah. going to get that conversation. But whereas if you have different people from different backgrounds, different experiences and different mm. views of the world, like for me, I think it's their place to be challenging, you know? Yeah. That's a really interesting thing, actually, isn't it? Because you think about diversity at board level, you think, okay, you know, so how you know, trying to reduce the number of middle-aged white guys and bring in some yeah. diversity yeah. in terms of other genders, other races, other, other cultural beliefs, religious beliefs. What we don't look at is actually that, blend of values at board level yeah what's the diversity of values at board level to have that rich conversation around what's right mm. what's wrong what's safe what's risky um, yeah what what the the, yeah. the customer world the out external world the the new potential onboarding recruitment world yeah. wants to see of this organization to make you an attractive organization a safe organization a well-managed organization if you don't have those different voices because you've mm-hmm. had a CEO as you've been scaling, you've managed to basically re- recruit in your own image, <laughs> then yeah. that's dangerous, right? That's really, so again, as yeah. an element there, isn't there, as a leader, uh, if, you're, if you're the leader that's right at the top of that tree, yeah. having that responsibility around your own standards to say, I need to be tested, I need to be, re- and how many do you think actually sit there and go, <laughs> I need to bring in people that will do it with me? Do you know, like I'm Rachel, like I'm smiling because I am obviously I, I coach on this. I I do leadership and management. Like this is just day to day for me, right? But I am actually going through and living this right now with the ethical coaching company. It's, right. it's I've in I, I'll come back and answer your question from a coaching perspective, but just to share a little bit of the pain behind the scenes a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, I want to hear it. <laughs> we've 
I've created an advisory board for the ethical coaching company because I want to be challenged. I want mm-hmm. different opinions. I want somebody to ask me, so what? What's the point? What's the point? Like, what are you doing that for? What's the benefit? And, I've, and the people that I chose are from completely different backgrounds, experience, values, beliefs. And I know them all very well. I trust them. And I would not have invited them in if I hadn't. But I knew I wasn't going to get an easy ride. And and that was the point, right? Like, that was the point because I don't want people to sit around that table and go, what an amazing idea, Kirsty. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, brilliant. (laughs) What I want them to say is, have you thought about that? What's the consequence of that? Like, I don't know. I don't understand where you're coming from with that. Like, how are you going to protect the clients about that? You know, I really want to be challenged. So when you said that, when you said that, I was like, (laughs) oh, I feel that pain. (laughs) Like, But going back to a coaching perspective of the question you mentioned about how many leaders actually sit and think. Honestly, I I don't think that many because when you grow in a business, you're very much you know all hands on deck it's you do what you can to get it off the ground right and at the point that you're at the level that you need a board first of all I don't know if you really know that you're ready for that like you know you kind of I feel like you need some intervention from a coach a mentor an independent perspective just to have those conversations and if you're not naturally very very self-aware and intentional about reflection and going because a lot of people yeah they're really ambitious and they know what they want to achieve with their business but I think sometimes the business will only get to a certain point with that vision of that leader and I think you need to open the perspective of yourself as a leader but unless you see and I think a lot comes back to leaving the ego at the door a little bit of thinking you've got to know everything and do everything yourself and just having conversations with other people either in your industry or a mentor that's you know been there and done it or a coach to help you see that just to actually see right okay there's other people that I can help here and that can help me get there but sometimes that's really difficult as in giving up that that given up and ask, actually asking for help whereas from my perspective I just ask all the time I'm like yeah, can someone visit well, me? even when you do though there's a there's a there's a, a, a risk isn't there there's a, a moment where you go right okay I, I recognize I need help I'm going to need somebody to be you know marketing lead I'm gonna need a finance lead I'm gonna need an ops lead somebody to do the operational stuff while I do the thinking and that's great okay so you start kind of looking for those people you start interviewing and yeah, you know, our brains are wired to to avoid threat, aren't they? Avoid things yeah. that you know, you're like me, you're not like me. The, the, it goes all the way back to the kind of oh, Eric Burns' work, wasn't it? The kind of you're like me, you're not like me. I feel threatened. I don't feel threatened. Um, and ultimately, when you're interviewing people, even if they're in different areas, so finance person, marketing person, yeah. you're still wired up to look for someone you feel comfortable with. Yeah, and that's the real yeah. test. It's actually, can you yeah. look at somebody objectively and say? I don't feel comfortable with you in terms of I trust you to do your job. You're clearly very well qualified. We haven't gelled and agreed on absolutely everything I've been talking about in the interview. So therefore, I don't want you. Or actually, you're exactly the person I need because we haven't agreed on absolutely everything I've been talking about in the interview. Mm. So it's quite interesting, isn't it, to manage that self-perspective and hard. I mean, super hard. hard. Definitely. And I think from my perspective, for me, fundamentally, people have to be aligned in their core values and how they um, and how they feel and think about things. Because 
I think fundamentally you can have a difference of opinion and a different way of doing things as long as at the core you have similar values about, you know, what's important to the business. Like for, for us at the Ethical Coaching Company, it's all around integrity, you know, quality, boldness, book, mm. kind, book kindness. You know, I want kindness. I want everyone to lead with empathy within the business and have compassion for each other. But yeah, we still strive for excellence, right? But if someone goes to come in and not align with that, but I love them and I got on with them on a surface level, I wouldn't want them in the business because that's going to create a challenge at some point because you just fundamentally disagree on what's right and wrong. Yeah, that's, and you're absolutely right. And I think you alluded earlier to, you know, what, what it looks like in terms of role modelling, but also mm. holding others to account because that's that's the kind of a whole other side of it, isn't it? It's like, okay, yeah. if we have a very clear agreement in terms of, you know, as, as see, I've been scaling, I've created this, this set of values, code of ethics, whatever it looks like, that's it and you have somebody else come in and say yeah I want you to disagree with me I want you to kind of challenge me but at the same time what I don't want you to do is go against disagreed code mm-hmm. of ethics code of values yeah. because ultimately that's been pre-agreed or you know it's been thought about it's been heavily considered and that's what we want the organization to be known for so coming in and saying yeah. oh we could you know we could be a little bit loose with that one or a little bit you know and kind of letting that scope creep kind of come in oh, it's tough isn't yeah. it to kind of really find that balance but you can have this yeah discussions without them being you know against your 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 kind of uh, agreed values your agreed sense of purpose and I think those agreed values and sense of purpose are what attracts the right people yeah like the non-negotiables like yeah come and talk to me and challenge me on the process or the way we do this or how we get that done how we complete the project the best brilliant that's what I want I don't want someone to come and tell me actually the core fundamentals of your business I don't agree with because that's why I set the business up, you know, and that, the same as I think having that solid, this is who we are as a business is really fundamental from the leadership. And even when we talk leadership, right, some people might not identify as a leader if they've skipped, if they've created the business and scaled it or they've come from a family business. But fundamentally, they have to, at some point, step into the role of leader, as in taking that business in the direction they want. Because if they don't lead it, nobody else is going to, because no one else is going to have that drive and passion for that business other than them. So whilst that might sound scary, somebody has to do it. And if they're not intentionally doing it, it's either just going to float along or it's going to be just it's going to it's going to be directionless and not grow any further. There's a big difference, isn't there, between rolling your sleeves up and doing the do down in the weeds and plotting the course, being up there, mapping, looking at the horizon and saying, where do we need to go next? Okay, this is happening. This is great. That's what your ops, your ops director, your ops lead is for to help you do that when you've got them in place. Right. That's freeing you up to go to and the amount of you and I work in the same sort of um, bracket in terms of our our other job, if you like, is, is this learning area. So I'm CMI, you're ILM no competition (laughs) but ultimately the amount of times I sit with a senior manager moving into leadership who suddenly gets what they wish for they suddenly get that thinking space and Mm -hmm. my team are empowered they're doing really well when they go and try and help them they're like no back off we've got this which is a lovely thing to hear from your team you know Mm -hmm. go and do what you need to do when we need your support we know you're there for us and it's a beautiful situation to be in and one of the first things he said to me was that it's really uncomfortable 
Mm-hmm. It feels itchy and scratchy. And yeah. uh, you're going to have to sit with that discomfort for a while. Yeah. Let's have a think about what that feels like and why it's come about and the good bits that have come from it. Because mm. it's shifting that mindset from, you know, when you're doing the do, you get immediate kind of dopamine hits for getting your job done, right? So like, done, ticked off, lovely. Yeah. Now your results are going to come six months, 12 months, two years down the line. So you're not mm-hmm. going to get that immediate kind of rush of I got that job done the clients just said thank you straight away it's all been very quick and instantaneous that instant reward now you're thinking about your rewards going to come a lot later so how do we find rewarding yourself you know the strategic planning ticking that off your list ticking a a, you know presentation to a a new client or a new form of business finding some information that might help inform your plotting of your course that's Mm. the sort of stuff you need to find rewarding yeah because you can't roll your sleeves up and go back into doing the do unless it's times of crisis which let's face it then sometimes we all have to stop and go yeah all right mm-hmm. we'll all muck in for a bit but that should be the exception and not the norm yeah. but it's it is that it's such a shift in mindset isn't it it's such a, a, a difficult it's huge thing. huge shift in mindset because it's a huge change of not just mindset, but physically what they do day to day is very different, mm. right? And when they're walking in and rolling their sleeves up, they one of the team, they're close to the workers, the people in the workforce, they also feel that element of I'm supporting them because I can see the support, they can see me support. And I think there's almost that transition to reframe how they support the business, right? Because they need to understand all those strategic conversations that being the face of the business driving the business forward is them supporting the business and supporting the people within the business just as much as rolling their sleeves up and I think there's that challenge of the team can't see me working really hard actually visually working really hard they're gonna think I'm not doing anything yeah I'm sitting with my feet up in this office you know I'm having a jolly when I go out and meet someone you know a meeting like it's how they reframe it for themselves and I think it's that transition is a really hard transition. And I think that's the, people can get stuck there for a real long time in that messy middle bit that I kind of see it as. And what happens is if you don't get some support at that stage, like whatever that support may look like, obviously I know I'm really biased, but just a, like a coming, like a yeah. coaching perspective or yeah. um, just another sounding board, somebody to help you see over the hill because you're going in to a completely different role, but it's a role that's needed yeah. and it's a role yeah. that is so important to the growth of the business. It's securing the future, isn't it? That's the yes. thing. That role yeah. moves from doing the do because they're capable. You've got your team to a great yeah. space. Well done. Kudos. Pat yourself on the back. Your role now is securing the future of the business, taking it in the direction yeah. For your clients for your team also a thing about actually ethically you're going back to ethics again is if you've empowered your team to that degree and then you start going and dibbling again it can go from feeling supportive you think you're supporting to them it could feel smothering yeah disempowering it's thinking about what is that what's the dynamic now because that mm-hmm. will shift and being comfortable mm-hmm. with that change and ethically saying i've trusted these people i've empowered them or I say i have now i have to step back and let them do their jobs yeah and that's Absolutely. scary as hell, isn't it? I mean, they are, that's yeah. like, oh, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> do I trust them? And yet they've proven time and time again, usually that they're trustworthy. Even if they make mistakes, they go, right, I've got a solution. Yeah. Now, if you've built that culture, they'll do the right thing by you and your business. Yeah. If you haven't built that culture, all right, things could be very different. But ethically, don't get back in there and start smothering, micromanaging, as we know how damaging yeah. that it's really it just yeah it just and I think do. just that point on culture I just think 
we've the world of the landscape of the working world is changing and it's changing dramatically like very quickly i think covid catapulted it i think you know with the whole flexible work and people having to trust their employees you know but i think when i think of the culture conversation in the workplace if you think three or four years ago it wasn't really hard you either liked the workplace or you didn't you didn't really know why and you know but now everybody's really top like it's a real hot potato topic of what's the culture how can we improve it what does that mean how can we you know support our employees and I think a lot of businesses are talking about ethics a lot more and talking about you know like if you think of like the um oh what are they called b corps and yeah. all yeah. that conversation like they just like the more people and I know more people now really focused on either getting certified or getting pendant or you know just openly having conversations about how can we do good and raise a business build a business at the same Mm. time and that just makes my heart sing with joy that people are having the conversations now don't get me wrong there are still a lot of people out there that aren't and there is still a way to go but the conversations being had are incredible and I'm really happy like this conversation to be part of that conversation yeah absolutely absolutely it's funny actually it's one of the last releases from the 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 HR series was around uh Gen Z or Gen Z as my my lovely my lovely guest was calling us he was from over the pond um and he was we were talking about actually the Gen Z employees they're out of uni now they're in the workplace they're kind of just coming out of them maybe their second year of their, their graduate um you know placements that kind of thing they're in the workforce yet they're not staying with organizations that they don't gel mm-hmm. with on a cultural and ethical basis yeah and that's brilliant I love that they're voting with their feet on that front because it's forcing businesses to take notes sit up and go mm-hmm. oh okay but mm-hmm. at the same time business and leaders have to consider this multi-generational workforce because they still will yes. have a few boomers yep. hanging around, they'll still be yeah. there going, no, I don't want anything to change. I want to do this and this and this. Yeah. But my general, I think I'm an X, I'm not sure. Um, so I'm 46, I think I'm somewhere in Gen X. Um, you know, going, well, you know, actually, if I was in employment, I would be looking at culture, possibly more than, not more than ethics, but definitely culture and ethics together. Less yeah. about B Corp, maybe, although my my nature loving hat would be very much in the B Corp space. Um, and then you've got, you know, your millennials that are, again, they are in their 30s now. So that they're, they're entrenched in an organization. They might be looking at a, not a job mm-hmm. for life, but possibly an organization mm-hmm. for life that they can grow and switch and change around in. Mm-hmm. And well, we don't know what Gen Alpha is going to do, do we? That's the thing they're yeah. coming through. Will they be? in the same bracket as Gen X thinking climate's really freaking serious now we need to do something yeah. and so the B Corp side of things will be much more what's yeah. your climate stance beyond you know all the other stuff B Corp stands for what's your climate stance what's going on there how sustainable will you be it just you know yeah. some assurity in a world that feels hugely topsy-turvy yeah be coming out of and they'll have done their exams through COVID so and I think this gen I think the generation conversation needs to be had with leaders because I think the at risk of being left behind if they're not evolving with the with the changes of what's going on. Like you say, Gen Z are completely ripping the paper up and doing it their own way, which I love. Like I genuinely I love it. I'm a m i am I think I'm a millennial, but just hanging on, I think. But um I just wonder where I think I'm right on the bracket between X and millennial. I think if I was born two years later I'd just about be a millennial but I think yeah 
But I think that like, I was having a conversation with, um, it was actually a fire and rescue organization. So the okay. fire brigade. And they have a, obviously a very traditional employer and they have, but they, there's a need for it, right? Like there is a growth yeah. and there's always going to be a need for it. But it was a real challenging conversation around how are you moving and recruiting new people because mm. people don't want a job for life, right? Like people don't want to go into to an industry or a role specifically an organization and stay there till the retirement yeah. but yeah. that's what they used to have in, in that in institute really that's that was the standard recruitment process yeah. and so there's yeah. people so there's organizations and institutes that really need to think how can we do things differently and I was chatting to someone this week and she was saying like by I think 30 2030 70 percent of the jobs have not yet being, that we will be doing have not yet been established or created like the the yeah. way of the work and world is going to change so much that and I'm like how do we future proof ourselves of that as a leader and that's a really for me interesting conversation yeah so actually with that in mind then if you were thinking about it, actually as a leader nowadays so say you're oh like you're, you're you're the head of a growing business it's a new business a startup um, if you're scaling and, and you're in that space where suddenly you're kind of growing and getting that little bit bigger, looking at actually what do my future recruits maybe look like? What are they going to want, need? What will they be driven by? What's the world going to need from my industry, my organization? Mm-hmm. Um, if we were to kind of start, you know, the foundations of a, of a toolkit, a, a little toolbox, a nice little box to drag along behind us to pick from when, when, as and when we need it. What would be one of the first things you would would put in that toolbox to to support a leader in coping with a very very unclear future, mm-hmm. a very very unclear world mm-hmm. in terms of you know, what things are going to look like? Yeah, um, I don't think I don't think necessarily this is a tool, but I think it's definitely something that, and it comes back to the diversity of the advice that we take in as a leader, and I would make sure that I have a a whole array of people around me from different generations. And I think sometimes, and this is a little bit the traditional approach of if you're the leader, you know everything, you you don't go to people that are younger. But for me, having conversations with that younger generation, getting them involved in the business in some way or just having some access to them to keep you know to to understand because I think when you get to a leadership level in a traditional organization the people that have made it to the top tend to be of a certain age and they're going to probably be very similar to you but if you look at the businesses out there being run by younger generations like look at Gymshark and just how you know forward thinking they are and how incredibly successful they are there is so much to learn from the younger generation so for the first point I would say make sure you've got a diverse range of people around you that you're looking to for for guidance or inspiration for for the business um and I definitely think obviously really biased here (laughs) some form of coaching or mentor to have at hand you know um it's again that independent perspective that kind of counsel to help me help you think differently and the the whole thing that I'm trying to get with my toolkit that I'm creating Rachel is 
to help you see things differently, to help challenge your perspective, to help see a wider vision, what's available and out there. Because I think you can't, you don't know everything, right? And I think there is so much change going on and it's happening really, really rapidly. I think if you're not willing to be fluid and ride that wave and adapt as you go, you're going to be left behind. But to adapt, you need to know what's out there and what people want. So I think having that conversation with your diverse support group, having someone to help you think differently about things, maybe show you your own unconscious bias where you've been, you know, I mean, if you've got yeah. a safe space to 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 kind of vent, to rant, to put pour all of the stuff out, to let your biases out, to then have somebody hold that mirror up and say, okay, it's yeah. good that you've got that out. Okay, this piece of thinking probably isn't going to help you moving forwards. So how can we challenge that? How can yeah. we find information that helps build a more complete picture around yeah. the assumption that you've made of Gen Xs or Gen Alphas? Yeah kids today all of that stuff because let's face it all of these things will come out and that's what's lovely and yes I am going to bang the drum for coaching because I think well it's my podcast and I can um <laughs> it's my toy box and I can play with it um ultimately you know wh- why wouldn't you want that safe space to have that conversation in confidence knowing yeah. you're not being judged for having it those feelings are genuine they are true to you it may mm-hmm. be that the things that are driving those feelings are misinformed, mm-hmm. and, and that's the thing yeah. to apart and saying actually how do I get greater evidence am I right on this really I'd love to be right but actually it's not helpful that I think I'm right when I actually mm-hmm. haven't put it that deeply yeah um and it's it's a really interesting space for leaders to be in to find themselves yeah. in that space and I, obviously I will bang the drum for coaching for everyone because I, I don't think it should be an elitist thing it's it's one of those things that does tend to get given to the yeah. c-suite I'd love to see yeah. it really really culturally everywhere in every organization yeah that's Past, I'm sure that'd be something I find someone to talk about at some point. But you're right. It's, you know, gear up yeah. so that you have that space, whether it's a coach. And I suppose I know we're flying the flag for coaching here because, you know, we're obviously both very, very biased. But in the interest of being ethically fair to other um, practices and other professionals, what other support services do you think actually could play a role to assist leaders in, in kind of exploring that staying the course getting the information they need to be better informed yeah and there's loads isn't there like I think straight away like obviously having things like an advisory board as well as your board of directors or having someone also what's local like you have some like we've got a northeast ethical business club where businesses of all sizes that are really interested in running ethical businesses come along and connect um also if you think of industry specific what's going on in your industry how can you get involved in you know conversations that are have been had about where the industry's gone do you know what i mean like get yourself involved in things have conversations with different people and be really open about that and i think also something that's really great is getting involved with universities and education institutes as well, because that's where you're going to start to hear about the rumblings of what's changing at that level, you know, like, and there's always like, we've got a business, um, I think it's called like a business club of part of our local university and they run business events where there is a combination of businesses, you know, the the business students, that kind of thing. So get yourself involved with lots of different things. You don't necessarily have to go and pay a coach to to get that different perspective, but it depends what you want and what you're looking for. But I would just... 
you can always bring that stuff back to your coach to explore right yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah, absolutely but I don't want to I don't want people to feel like they have to have a coach to succeed no, I don't. Agree. I agree. <laughs> absolutely not but I think just start to look out there outside of the business because if you look inward it's great to look at the resource inside and give people opportunity to speak and bring different ideas and things to the table. But if you pull them from the same pool all the time, you're going to get similar mindset and similar, you know, ideas. Whereas if you mix that with looking externally, you're kind of keeping your ideas open, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's interesting, isn't it? As well, I, I think, um, this is, the thoughts were popping in my head as you were talking then. And actually, there's two two big things that have come out for, for me. Um, one was actually really interesting. I don't know that many leaders that have an advisory board outside of their board of directors at all. I, think, I, think I couldn't name any, I don't think, off the top of my head apart from you. So what was your first step in terms of um, setting up your advisory board? How did you go about that? What was the like, actually, this is what I needed to do. This is what I want from them. How do you engage people to go, yeah, all right, I'll come and be on your advisory board? Really great question. And I'll be really open with how this worked for me, right? I went, I know this business is bigger than me. I want, I don't want to be the bottleneck. I want to get people in that will challenge me. I don't want it just to be my thoughts. And I knew I needed something. And I'm like, I know that I'm not at a point that I can bring an exec board in. I do want it to get to that level, but I was like, I'm not there yet. So I was like, right, what's the other option? An advisory board. And I went and did a little bit of research and I'd been on advisory boards and how to create it and stuff. And um, I literally went, who would I really love on my advisory board? And I just thought of people that I knew that I'd... It turned out that every single person on there is very has been really significant in my journey of life I suppose (laughs) at different points for different reasons but the all incredible leaders in their own right they're very very successful they've achieved incredible things I admire them all as people I kind of went oh that's the wish list of people that I know that I would love to ask and then I kind of sat on it for about a month and went oh I don't ask oh dare I ask (laughs) I I would be in that headspace like oh um, are they going to want to help me will they give their time to me am I worth all of of those those. Rachel I have gone through that and go through that on a daily basis so I invite I started with the easy one (laughs) when I was having a conversation with one of them about the whole ethical coaching company that saying about the advisory board and he was like you know if you ever need any support just let me know well funny you should say that you know and like that was brilliant he came through every single person has been really actually like amazed that I've asked them and really honored and really like committed to it. And because obviously it's not, it's not a paid role right now. It's like, I would love it to be a paid role. Um, And I was really open. I was just like, because obviously you go through that mind of like, I am asking this incredibly busy person to give me their time for free, (laughs) for nothing, but for my, for my vision, for my baby. Right. And that's really challenging. So anyway, I just, I eventually asked four people the four people I wanted the four people I wrote down all said yes all came on board super super happy um and I kind of just these people sit on boards of other businesses as well so they kind of experienced they way more experience obviously in board level stuff than me I've kind of gone along and attended from a corporate perspective you know but they literally sit on boards um 
And then I got connected with somebody who runs a not-for-profit organization in the Northeast. I want to call it the Experience Lab, so, but I'm really sorry if I've got that wrong. Um, and they support businesses with building advisory boards and non-exec boards ah. for as a support and it's part of the it's for free it's a free resource that you have to apply to use it and stuff but it was just really bizarre that I got introduced to the guy who founded it and I was like oh I've just created an advisory board I could really do with some help basically of like how do I structure it how do I set up what we have to do and he gave me some incredible advice um which was brilliant because I want to respect the people in there I don't want them to feel that like what they're showing up for what I'm doing so I kind of went back got some support on it got some guidance um yeah we've had our first session and yeah it just feels really great to have that independent perspective that I know is they're just there to give advice. You know, they're not there to make decisions. They're not there to take actions. It's literally like picking the brains of four amazing business people. Yeah. <laughs> Asking them oh, questions. I, like <laughs> that. I do like that too. I think the other thing, the other thing that's going through my head, and I'm trying to hold on to that thought because I tend to, I get carried away, I get listening, and I forget what I was going to say. But actually, there is um it's kind of almost like an ambition almost. I, I think when I first heard of actually the company, the ethical coaching company, in my head, I'm like, isn't it such a shame in this industry that we have to put the word ethical in to promote a business? And it's right to do that because there is so much out there in the world of coaching. As we know, it's unregulated. It's not mandatory to be a qualified, let alone accredited. Um, there's a lot of people setting themselves up and calling themselves coaches. They might be mentors. It might be something else, but they're calling themselves coaches. And then beyond that, there's a, then there's all the coaches who sell co- coaching to coaches to, oh. you know, I'm going to turn your business into a seven figure business in yeah. X Look at my business, that's seven figures. So, yeah, but you're spending seven yeah. figures on your marketing and oh. your product. Yeah. So, you know, it's just all, all of this stuff that drives us all. It drives, I think, everyone that is a genuine bona fide, died in the mill, proper serious coach that has a love for this industry and absolute belief in what it can do. Yeah. Drives them potty um, because it, it undermines yeah. the value coaching has it feeds into the the, yeah. the minds of the detractors those have maybe had a bad experience in the past they'll have a bias against coaching mm, coaching it'll just feed that and 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 yeah. you know kind of make it bigger and bigger and bigger and and that bias confirmation bias is just more confirmed by all of these charlatans that are yeah so, parking my anger on charlatan coaches <laughs> um i mean ultimately yeah, if, if you got to a point, say, I don't know, 20 years down the line, ethical coaching companies doing amazingly well. And I don't know, for some, by some miracle, coaching has become a regulated industry like counseling is, like um, psychotherapy mm-hmm. might be. Um, you, know, you need to be at least qualified if you're not accredited, you know. So you need to have that level of qualification and demonstrate that you have, say, regular supervision or something to maintain your mm-hmm. standard of practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that's like, yes, absolutely seems like a no brainer, but clearly, big big lots of people against that if that happened would you change the name of the business no no (laughs) (laughs) no because that's just that's and well one it is we deeply ingrained in in operating with integrity getting results for people it being tangible like that is just like it drives me mad when I don't like all the stuff you said there like don't get me started. I can be on that soapbox <laughs> with you all day. Like, and that's why the business was born, right? Like it wasn't born out of the word because I loved ethics. It was like, let's sort this, 
you know, this industry. One, that, that one last thing that dropped into your DMs that made you go, oh, FF. <laughs> well, right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to yeah. start this business. I'm going to call it the ethical coaching company. <laughs> All right, you've done it now. <laughs> it's just like, oh, do you know how it was started? Do you know how I came across it? No. But I don't know if I told you this when no, we chatted earlier, but one of the ladies on my board of advisors now, we were having a coffee locally um, and we were chatting and I was, she was saying, you know, what's your, she's amazing in business. She's just, uh, yeah. She supports a lot of businesses and that's their her business. Their business supports other businesses. So she was just right. chatting and saying, you know, is there any support that you'd like in your business? Like what you're planning, where you're you going with it? And I was kind of going, yeah, no, I was don't know what I want to do. Because with my own coaching practice, I was like, when I left corporate, I'd set out to, you know, replace my corporate salary. And that was even just like thinking that's really far off. But I kind of I've achieved it and I'm getting a little bit like what's next kind of thing, but I didn't know. And I was kind of banging my gums about the ethics and the morals and the industry. And I was a little bit, you know, disengaged with the reputation of it and just driven mad. And she was like, well, what are you going to do about it? And I was like, hmm, <laughs> what am I going to do about it? And literally, I went to see her again at her offices about a month later, and I'd literally registered the business, bought the domain, got the plan, like wrote the business plan and literally like just mapped it out. It just that trigger of like, what do I want this industry to be? And how can I have an impact in it? Right? Like, I'm not delusional. I don't think for one minute that I'm going to change the world, but I want to have a positive impact in my space, like as much and as big as I can. Um and obviously there's a collective of coaches that all think the same as us, that all have that outlook, that all have that view. And I just thought if we were all banging that drum as a collective, at least the ripple effect from us as a group will be having a positive impact. And then hopefully the more people that have those positive experiences will then support their teams and their leaders. And, you know, hopefully that ripple will keep going positively. That ups well, isn't it? It's, just, it's, it's starting... Yeah getting that dropping the, the the rock into the pond to make the wave and then then that wave getting bigger till it's a kind of tsunami of yeah doing things the right way in, in terms yeah. of yeah and ultimately also educating businesses so they start mm -hmm. to expect it of coaches in industries so they're yeah. not just going out and going oh well you know you say you can do this and that will do they go no 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 can I ask you you know what your credentials are can I ask you for yeah some I want to check that I'm bringing in the right kind Absolutely. of coach I mean, you know, it's 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 at the moment that the coaching procurement process is is really yeah. interesting. I mean, some organisations are very very good at it. They'll insist on some are going almost too far the other way. You have to be to a certain. Um, mm. There's an organisation that I I pitched for a while ago who didn't accept me because I wasn't ICF accredited because I am mm. an EMCC accredited, and I'm like I'm not going to have two accreditations just to please you. So I let that one go. But they were very you must be ICF blah blah blah. Like, okay. But I feel like that is yes. very. I feel like without being judgmental to those people, like I'm not saying that. I just think that to me is an education of the industry. It's yeah. it's forcing you into one space when actually. And this is coming from the experience of going through onboarding a host of coaches with all different kinds of qualifications, yeah. accreditations, yeah. experience. And when I first set out, I was like, right, everybody has to have this. Everybody has to have that. But as I got more into it, it's like, right, okay, there is such a vast way to quantify qualified. We take a multi-layered approach of like, 
it's it is qualification any accreditations you're saying you have we need evidence of that it's how many hours have you coached it is get out we what's your testimonials what's your recommendations and these are people we like we want a reference from within your industry and these people are all contacted independently by our team and we kind of build a picture of somebody you know it's like it's not just a in you've got this you're in you've got that you're out it is we want to bring people with the values that we strongly, strongly believe in. And if you wouldn't last long in the in, in the ethical coaching company if you weren't fully on board with what we were trying to achieve. Like exactly. literally, yeah. I've just had a session with our coaches this morning and we all just like are that we're thinking inclined and it's so strong. Yeah. If you did if you weren't as passionate as we are, you would it would be very <laughs> it would appear very quickly <laughs> I love it I do love it that's absolutely brilliant um I'm really really conscious on time and I think I could obviously you and I could bang the drum for coaching all day and and all night if we had to I think over a glass of wine maybe yeah. um maybe one day um ultimately I think uh a quick kind of close off in terms of we've strayed a little bit away from leadership I guess but actually at the same time it, we talked very much about leaders being open to new things and not being kind of blinkered and, and there's an element of that, isn't there? My example around, you know, organisations that are very, it must be this, must be that. It's taking those blinkers off and saying, okay, what's out there, what's there? If you could give one bit of advice to somebody who's moving, say, either from management to leadership in the way of the scaling their business or they've been promoted into leadership or mm-hmm. anything in that space, in that bracket, so they, they have this bigger leadership hat to wear, shoes to fill, mm-hmm. What would be the one bit of advice you would like to give them? Um, and you're not allowed to say get a coach because that's too easy. <laughs> it's a, What I would say is it is a transition and give yourself permission to develop into a new skill, into a new role in whatever that way, whatever that is for you, because it is a different skill set that you need. So give yourself permission to not just wake up one day and be the best leader, be a conscious leader what kind of a leader do you want to be? And then go and learn and be that. Brilliant. I love that. I love that. Thank you so, so much for your time. Now, all of my guests do get an opportunity to do the shameless plug at the end. So do let us know how we can get in touch with you, with the Ethical Co- Coaching Company, find out more. What are your, I mean, we'll put your links in the show notes anyway, but yeah. what would you like to get out there now to, to remind people of who you are and where we can find you? Yeah, I hang out on LinkedIn, as does the Ethical Coaching Company. Obviously, we've got a website, theethicalcoachingcompany.com. But just come and follow us, come and get on board, come and support the ethical train and just learn about what we do because there is a lot of resources out there. We've got an amazing bank of coaches. So, yeah, come and check us out. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much. So a big thank you to Kirsty for today's session. Um, if you like this note, when you realize you really like this and you want to hear more, hit the subscribe button wherever it is you happen to listen. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, then please do subscribe as well, because I'm hoping to get enough listeners and watchers to get a um, one of those URLs that actually is your organizational podcast name rather than just a set of numbers, which really, really frustrates me. So yeah, if you can help me with that, that would be great. Hit subscribe and I will hopefully have have you listening to the next episode too.